Good morning. It's Coley on Coleology, and today I have Alan Todd with me. And as most of my listeners know, I'm dyslexic, and this is a nightmare of an introduction because um, it's words that I was not familiar with. So if I stumble, just bear with me. It's just the beginning. Um, Alan Todd earned his PhD in religious studies. History of Ancient Judaism from Duke University. He is a historian of religion specializing in social and religious history of Jews and Judaism in in antiquity and the rise of early Christianity. His scholarly work focuses primarily on various processes by the Jews established and maintained Jewish identity while accommodating themselves to Greek and Roman cultural norms. His work draws on knowledge of ancient written sources, his extensive archaeological experiences at sites throughout Israel, as well as his interest in the theories and methods of academic studies of religion and identity formation. He is working on a manuscript for publication based on his dissertation, and it will examine the textual archaeological records to determine ways feasts, communal events based on sharing food and drink distinguished from everyday meals, help shape ancient Jewish society. His contribution to architecture and stratigraphy of the ancient sites of the Sephoris, did I say that wrong? I think I did. Sephoris. Uh, uh, Sephoris will appear in the third volume of Duke's Sephoris Regional Project, which will be in print in the next six months or so. So, Thank you. I'm going to stop there. Wow. The rest, the rest of his bio, professional and personal, will also be posted. And um, I'm so thank you. I'm so interested in diving in on so so many different layers because a personal question. When I was reading this earlier, um, I was wondering how did you get into. Are you Roman Catholic still? Because we went to St. Jerome's. We were both in right. middle school and second grade together. I know. <laughs> second grade. That's, yeah, that's crazy. It's, yes. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, well, first of all, I want to say uh, you did an amazing job uh, with with that description. And as I was listening, I was, I was thinking of how annoying scholars and graduate students can sound, you know, with their description of their work. I mean, I, it just was like, oh my gosh, that sounds so pompous or something. And it's really, it's, I, what I did for your listeners, what I did was I just took what was on the website of Coastal Carolina University that has this description of what I do. And I just, I just sent it to Nicole. And so, you know, I was thinking, oh yeah, you know, there you go. And, but then I, re- but actually, for me, it's just I haven't really read through it, and I haven't heard anyone else really read through it, and so and it's just what I did, and I've been doing it for you know fifteen years, whatever. So it just sounds so normal. But when I actually hear you read it, Nicole, I was like, oh no, this is I sound like such a dweeb, not no, a dweeb, no, but no, uh, you don't. just like a pop, pop, pompous kind of you know <laughs> hoity-toity stuff. Whereas I, I'm much more down to earth than, than I think what, what my description sounds like. But anyways, yeah, so. The, how I got interested in, um, so, yeah, so Nicole and I did, yeah, we, we were in second grade together, uh, 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 it goes back all the second grade to, uh, St. Jerome's in Phoenix, Arizona, it's Catholic grade school, um, and I would say that I personally am, am a human secularist today, the way I got into, um, the study of ancient Judaism, though, was when I was in college, my first, my, my freshman course, my first gen ed course that I took was on, it was, um, what was the title of it? It was the History of Ancient Near East or something, which was essentially um, a course about the Hebrew Bible, or the Old Testament, taught by an archaeologist. And as I was in that course, um, I remember sitting there, and I was probably Catholic, up, or considered myself to be Catholic up to that point. And, but throughout the semester, I remember just, it was, it's so vivid, thinking just about every other word that, that was, came out of the guy's mouth, um, was, wow, they never told me any of this in Catholic grade school. Mm. You know, th- th- this is not at all what I learned about. All this is just, either they never talked about the Old Testament, or at least not in depth, or that, you know, approaching 
the biblical text from a historical archaeological standpoint is obviously going to be much different than from the standpoint of a uh, confessional uh, position, aka Catholic, you know, grade school. And so, but I was just so curious about just the history of of what was being told to me about these people and of ancient Israelites, and they became alive, they became real. They weren't just some kind of uh, uh, sign, as the Catholic Church would teach, some kind of sign of the future coming of Jesus or, you know, the foretelling or maybe even the forebearers of a message that Jesus would later come to kind of bring to fruition. They were actually living human beings with their own concerns and and lives and and that just fascinated me and that at the same time my grandfather uh, passed away my freshman year in college and it came out and I, I didn't know this but he and my grandmother uh, on my mom's side were Jewish oh and and but they would never speak about it and for reasons that I I was always um I could never really figure out um even my grandfather grandmother survived him by 20 years so I tried to ask her but she never really wanted to talk about it and the only thing I could really surmise is that and and also just given that I know the general history of Judaism during the time that my grandfather was growing up in New York and despite what some people might think in the 40s and 50s in New York uh, Jews were not necessarily well accepted um, in general um, and so my grandfather, what I can surmise is he kind of experienced some kind of, you know, a sense of anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that he did not like his own father very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, who was, uh, from what I, what I could gather was, uh, you know, observant Jewish, uh, observant Jew. And so my grandfather kind of denounced his own Judaism. Um, or his own kind of heritage and, and never really wanted to speak about it in the future. And so when my mom was growing up and when we were born, born my brother and I were born, we, we just never even thought about it. They, and, and it was kind of the kibosh was put on talking about it by my grandfather. And so it was only when he died that, that I kind of discovered this. So all this was happening all within a couple of weeks of each other. You know, me taking this, this ancient Near Eastern studies course. Yeah. And then my grandfather dying and being like, whoa, I'm... You know, based on based on Orthodox teachings, uh, if your mother's parents are Jewish and your mother's Jewish, then you're Jewish. Yeah. And so, so it all kind of came out where I have this kind of dual relationship with with uh, Judaism as well as Christianity, yeah. or, you know, Roman Catholic, and that, and from that point on, I was I was I was a goner, I was sucker, so to speak. <laughs> this is like uh, a this is fascinating. Uh, yeah. This is fascinating. Yeah. So and it was. It's been a it's been a wonderful journey. Although I have to say, it's not been a easy one, so to speak. Not not just say uh, in the sense that uh, I went through any emotional tragedy as I went through discovering my own heritage, but just graduate school is rough. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and especially when you know, uh, as I as you know, Nicole, um, our my wife's my wife and our my son was born uh, in 2012, and. And so that was right in the middle of when I was writing, and it was just exhausting. So, so now, honestly speaking, here I am, started graduate school in 2005, finished in 2014 with a master's and a PhD. And only now, now after I've taught first year at Coastal Carolina University, do I feel finding my footing again as a human being, so to speak. Yeah. Feeling somewhat calm again, you know, after just the nuttiness of, of graduate school and, and money issues and everything else. That's um, right. Yeah. And, and it looks like here, like, you taught the whole while through. So you uh, married, had a baby, and taught the whole while through going dra- graduate school. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, I it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't full-time teaching, but it was. Um, so I was either a TA, a teaching assistant, to my professors who are teaching undergrad classes. Um, or I taught um, towards the, let's see, I think I was done with my, you have to, how was it? You had to finish your comps, which are essentially after your two years of PhD work, you take comps to then go on to work on your dissertation. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I guess it technically is my fourth year in the graduate school. Then I, then I taught at Meredith for the for over, I taught one course for uh, per semester for two years. Then I taught at Duke one course. And then, yeah, so, so the, but yeah, it, you know, it's two years of 
teaching one class plus TA and then working on my dissertation and then doing my best I could to help raise my son. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say, the first six months of my, quote-unquote, writing my dissertation, uh, or I'm sorry, first six months of Owen's life after he was born, um, I was, quote-unquote, writing my dissertation, which means that you don't really have to do anything writing the dissertation <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that point, at least. And so I got to hang out with Owen for, for six months straight. It was awesome. Oh, was that's really, cool. really uh, nice. So it was essentially a stay-at-home dad at that time, and it was, just, it was wonderful to, to be there, especially as he was, you know, becoming a developing human being. It was just it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's quite amazing to watch the development, right? It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just every process, every day. And then, and then it's just, it's the type of thing, too. I, I tell friends, too, especially that having children now or thinking about it, it's just, it, it, there, you've probably had people ask you this, Nicole, where it's, uh, they'll say, hey, you know, um, something like, what one's the, 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 the your, your favorite stage of, of when your child's growing up or something? It's like, every stage is awesome. Yes, yes. It's just, it's just you, you think, you know, that the, the one-year-old or, you know, up until one, the first year, it's just, oh, that was so amazing. So, but then, then, then they start talking and walking, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And then they start being funny or, or thinking they're, they're funny or clever, <laughs> which usually they're not. Um, not, not in my book. Uh, I have a high standard of being clever. Oh, um, yes. but, it's, but yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so back to so so back to what you were saying. So then your instruct your professor was teaching this paired with like the framing of archaeological um, history, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then and then the passing of your grandfather, and then finding out your roots. Um, that kind of then moved into what for you? So then y- your trajectory uh-huh. looked like. Yeah, so, so then um, I, I decided, to, I still didn't know what I wanted to do or where exactly I was headed, um, but I did know I wanted to teach at uh, uh, some level at that point. Um, I knew I really liked uh, ancient uh, history, especially uh, ancient biblical or, or Jewish history, um, as well as, kind of, you know, as, well as uh, uh, I guess, I don't know, I, as a way, because at this time, like I said, I, was, I still consider myself to be Catholic, and it's still kind of a, uh, a way to kind of rediscover uh, not only my, my uh, I guess what you could call my religious cultural heritage, but also my, my religious forbearing heritage, because at the time I consider myself to be Catholic, and so from a Catholic viewpoint, <clears throat> Jews, while are, are, you know, if you look at Augustine's writing, for example, the early church, you know, according to Augustine, who of course is Saint Augustine for Catholics, Jews are nice to keep around as an example of what happens when uh, you reject Christ. Oh God! And yeah. So, yeah. So, so it was kind of a self-fulfilling kind of uh, theology, so to speak, um, where the Jews get to hang, hang around, you know, and you shouldn't persecute them only because they're they're uh, living in squalid conditions or their treatment by other people or their struggles um, is evidence of what happens uh, as uh, uh, when you reject Christ. So, so in that sense, um, it was so kind of a, I have to, you know, unfortunately, although I didn't have that knowledge at the time that that's what Augustine thought, but I think it was ingrained in me as a Catholic where, you know, Jews are kind of this, were considered and sometimes are considered by some Catholics, not certainly not all, and, and, and that, in the, since the Second Vatican mm-hmm. Council, Jews have been kind of accepted and much more and engaged in interfaith dialogue. But for me, as a freshman, Jews and my own heritage was kind of as a um, studying a different people, so to speak, a separate people who basically got it wrong, but still interesting, you know, uh, from my my freshman mind in college. And so that's where I started kind of studying ancient Jewish history. But as I said, I was also interested in teaching, just in general, teaching at any level. And I taught high school at the time. So I ended up uh, getting a BA in history, just a general BA uh, degree in history, so I could teach high school. Oh, okay. uh, in high school. Yeah. And, but over that course of, of time, when I was getting my history uh, BA, 
I then slowly became, uh, I was also minoring in philosophy. And mm. it's, it was really when I started taking courses in philosophy that I became, uh, what's the word, um, a little more angry at my upbringing as oh. a Catholic. Mm, okay. um, and more criti- much more critical of the Catholic faith and what I was taught. Um, I actually became more interested in Buddhism and Taoism, um, mm-hmm. just on my, my own, it kind of as a, uh, as a dilettante, you know, just the readings that I would do on my own. And that's where I had kind of a spiritual shift um, in the sense of rejecting uh, notions of uh, whatever notions that we might have of Judeo-Christianity um, and, and becoming much more open to kind of what people might consider Eastern worldviews or Eastern religious worldviews. And um, so it was during that period where, while getting my BA, that I kind of, uh, I, I, reco- I call myself sometimes a recovering Catholic. Oh my gosh, I, I say that about myself yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you have to kind of figure out ways of, uh, letting go of all that baggage yes. that we are told to put on our, our backs. Yes. Um, yeah, the guilt and all that good stuff. I love it. Or, or not, <laughs> yeah, isn't it fun? Yeah, and it's, it's a process that takes a long time. It's so ingrained, and I imagine you can speak to this. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the feeling that we're just sinful creatures, um, even though you know rationally that that's not the case, uh, it's still so ingrained in you as a Catholic that you it, it is so difficult to not think in some related way. Yeah. Uh, w- when you think about your own kind of life goings-ons and, and somehow finding, like, find, you know, you always feel guilty about something. Oh, my gosh. I feel, sure I, what it might be. I even feel guilty about... So like the ingrained, the ingrained way of being sinners, right? And then having, Uh and then not believing that, right? But then having it Uh embedded in me and then having, being like, you know, cultivating consciousness and awareness, being pretty aware of like at least a lot of my content and thought and watching myself make snap judgments through, um, the lens of being a sinner of me, myself, Uh myself or others. And then Uh the guilt, (laughs) the guilt I have (laughs) afterward for doing it. (laughs) It's Uh just like a never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, my brother. And this is something we can get to, um, at some point, but, and I've told you this before, and I, I have no shame in saying it to a wider audience, but, but I was diagnosed with OCD when I was 13, and, um, as well as depression and anxiety, and, um, and, and I since worked through it, and, you know, I, I guess I, to some extent, have obsession, but every good scholar does, I think, uh, <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't get anything done, but, but, um, <laughs> but, and that's why my footnotes are so, I have so many footnotes in my well, you know, you know, you know what they say about like any of these diagnoses, and we talk about it from a holistic standpoint as therapists all the time. Is like, yeah. well, but if you just find the niche in which like this type of personality, yeah, right. then then it's actually not a problem. <laughs> like, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, the only thing is, it's a problem when you have a, a wife and a kid. Oh, you know, I, I I I'd be totally happy to walled up in some room just sweating and stressing over, you know, the exact translation of the Greek word for, for seven weeks. Um, yeah, but that's pretty intense. Wife and kid can't really do that, but, um, <laughs> but what, what I was going to say, though, is uh, to your point about um, the guilt, and, and, and uh, it's similar to with OCD or with depression, where you have a thought of some kind, and you obsess about being do you obsess about obsessing sometimes, or or you you um, think about, um, or you're depressed because you're thinking about being depressed? Yeah. You well, know, why why am I wasting my time for being depressed? And then that makes you depressed, right? For wasting time, right? But thinking about being depressed, it, it's the weirdest kind of mental gymnastics um, that is it, it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I, I like to blame although I'm being funny here a little bit, <laughs> because uh, obviously there's the physiology and the chemicals and everything else going on in the brain. But just for the sake of, uh, uh, of ease, I like to bra- 
blame my Catholic heritage. <laughs> well, you know, you know, though, it's like it's both. It's a both and, right? Like it is some yeah. genetic, and but then it's also some social upbringing, right? Like it's like. Uh-huh. So it's both. And a lot of times, because I have high amounts of anxiety, like anxiety, Uh like anxiety. Uh And a lot Uh of my anxiety stems from and from like the the thought of like being, well, my my Catholic upbringing, like there's like a lot Uh there. And then I kind of go into the space of like, well, if I wasn't raised Catholic, would I still have this anxiety um, uh-huh. but it would just take a different form. Like maybe, uh-huh. you know, like who knows, like it's, uh-huh. it's uh-huh. really difficult to figure out how much is biology and how much is, um, what right. we were kind of raised in. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I would, I would say it's hard to know for sure. Um, but I'd say if it wasn't, you know, say the Catholic upbringing, it could also be in general, again, you know, I guess I, so much, as someone who teaches world religions, I have to always be very uh, careful not to um, uh, paint in too many broad strokes. Right. Because my, the point of, of what I want my students to understand is while we will learn about the basic tenets of world religions, when you actually get on the ground and start interacting with these people who actually practice these traditions, they, it's much more complicated and much more uh, diverse than you can ever imagine, both within religious traditions and, and in between religious traditions. But that being said, just because it's fun to generalize, um, <laughs> I, I would say if it's not, say, a Catholic upbringing, it, it could also just be kind of the, the, uh, the Western culture in general yeah. and, and yeah. capitalistic societies or ideologies that kind of have you just drive towards some kind of success, typically a material success. Yes. Um, and, and it's just this need to measure and constantly measuring yourself. Um, now, of course, all that, the history, at least in the United States, and actually most of, most of Europe especially, is driven by a Christian ideology. Right. Um, and so that, it's a, you know, we, we all know kind of, a, of the Puritan work ethic and, and these type of things. And so, so we're still kind of getting close to, um, just you and me, Nicole, we're, we're getting close to figuring it all out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but we're getting close to tying together religion and, and, and uh, society, you know, as well as with anxieties and our own, our own kind of neuroses. Yes. Um, and I think that's what appealed to me with, Studying religions and specifically Judaism and, and um, uh, um, Christianity. Oh, hold on, we have a dog in, in my room here. Um, um, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're on the we're on the, we're on the radio right now. Um, so, so you gotta, you gotta go out here, buddy. Uh, uh, oh, not yet, buddy. Uh, that's my son, Owen. Um, Hi, Owen. That's okay. That's yeah, okay. Uh, it's life. I should have I had him on. Uh, he, he's actually quite. Quite talkative. Um, so I was, uh, uh, what was I say? I forget now. Um, uh, something probably totally exhaustingly heavy. Uh, oh, but just in general, that I think spawned my interest in studying the links between religion and cultures. And, and, and it could very well, and I haven't really thought about it heavily, but I think it, you know, I, I mentioned before my Catholic upbringing and, and then my my class, uh, uh, my genetic class in ancient Israelite history, and then my grandfather dying, but also my own kind of curiosity in my own brain, you know, and how humans function and why we function and do what we do. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that, there's so much there, right? Like, because you can look uh-huh. at it. I mean, there's just so much there. Like, I, I kind of have been looking at, like, um, like the history of my family and the family patterns and then kind of unpacking how much of that could possibly be genetic versus like just the conditioning, right? Some of the patterns of the genealogy that happens just because of conditioning, right? So it sets you up for looking for something um, in the world that you're already like um, somewhat, well, I, I feel like where attention 
goes, attention flows type thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when huh. when you're like living and you're raised a certain way, then you have these like kind of ways of like seeing the world. So then you see the world through the view in which you were raised. So then you naturally find it easier because you already Uh see it Uh that way. So like, even if it's not my attention, even if it's totally my unconscious, my attention in through my development was already there. So then I see it more Uh frequently and I kind of wonder like, yeah, just unpacking it from how much of the anxiety or the depression that runs through my family or how much of there, there's so much stuff, like there's just so Mm -hmm. much there, but how much is conditioning versus genetic? And then how much is it Mm -hmm. from a larger perspective of, um, cultural and then also religious views. And it's Mm -hmm. just, and then even like, if you go further, like to Italy or to Ireland, that both of my, um, I'm mainly Irish and Italian, but I'm also French and mm-hmm. I'm also going to get that testing where I figure out what else I am that I, Oh yeah. What's that, uh, what is it? 20, 21 and me or something or I, I, it's, I don't know. So it's super easy. I guess it's just a swab and I've yeah. been meaning to do it. Yeah. And I really am interested in like what else I am because I'm sure I'm more than that. But like yeah. that, those two religions from where I am from Ireland, I mean, those two countries and where I am from Italy, those are both heavily embedded in Roman Catholic religion. So, like, you know, so, like, how does that affect, like, the generational, like, teachings? And then, like, here I am, poof, today in this person with all of these things, right? So it's just super interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think, again, this is not something that, it's not my specialty, but I think is something that has driven, you know, the type of questions you're asking and thinking about is, as I said, probably what has driven me to kind of study what I study uh, in a roundabout way, that is to study why humans think and do what they do the way they do it. Um, and so I think relatedly, it'd be, it, it would be so much fun. And I, I know there's people that do this somewhere I don't know but I, <laughs> I imagine I imagine people do do cross-cultural studies and cross-religious studies where they look at um, say anxiety levels of individuals uh, uh, from different cultures with different religious kind of worldviews and so for example I, I just off the top of my head I imagine although again this is a generalization and I'm not I'm not um, I'm not uh, even supportive of my what I'm about to say, uh, <laughs> or inclusive, I should say. But but I imagine it's possible, at least, to think that, say, people that are raised in a family that is Buddhist, um, in in uh, say um, China or uh, or say a Zen Buddhist in Japan, uh, that their level of anxiety is going to be less uh, than say far, far less than, say, someone raised in the Catholic tradition living in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's one way to think of it. Now, again, I, 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 I don't have research on hand to say that that's even true, but it's those type of questions that are fun to think about, right? Right. Like, even the, possi- even the possibility that that could be, in fact, proven, which just my sense is it could be, um, would then lead people like me and you to kind of go look into that and, and start to think of... of uh, Wow. Well, so why why is that? What's what's up with that? And and can we use both to kind of, can we use say a knowledge? And I think perhaps that's why I became interested in Buddhism, uh, just reading about it as well as Taoism um, while I was in college. And I imagine this is perhaps what helped you lead you down the path that you have have chosen um, with meditation and yoga, um, is because we find that these Eastern traditions are. Are, are kind of not the opposite of what we how we were raised, but help uh, alleviate some of the concerns and, and anxieties that we've had. Yeah, and they're just it's, it offers such a different way of thinking well, than well, there, what we were so used to. So I like think. like so for me it it was it was it was very interesting. Like as I like reflect on my process with yoga meditation. Um, and obviously that a lot of it's rooted in Buddhism, but I've never traditionally studied. I've read some things. Um, and, 
and I'm kind of just like totally put off by anything that's structured. Like that's what, mm-hmm. that's what the Roman Catholic religion did for me. <laughs> like I just, yeah, I'm just like yeah. not, I'm like, I'm like all about just spirituality in this big broad term and like whatever makes me feel connected to like the universe like that. And like, as soon as it starts getting into like uh, theory and, and ways of being like, I just like, I kind of shut off and that's my own thing right now. And I'm, I'm looking at that, but it's just where I am. Uh, but what it was really interesting to like be part of yoga and meditation, but raised in this view as an American and then like apply yoga or meditation from like this way of being raised. And, Uh um, as I, as I keep on going deeper with my practice, I'm, and like the knowledge of like my trauma informed, um, my somatic experiencing lens. It's really Uh interesting because the first 15 years I did yoga and meditation, I was still doing it from a, um, a really heady space, uh, which like, the re- like being Roman Catholic raised here, like it, it's super heady. It's not embodied at all. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. um, so I was even doing like, so it did give me obviously something, otherwise I wouldn't have continued to do it, but I was uh-huh. still like, it was not an, an embodied process until recently. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm still kind of touching in and then I go heady. And I think that that's just because it's kind of our conditioning. Right. So, uh-huh. um, it's just, so it would be really interesting to like it, like talking about like if we ever run into people who are doing these types of studies, like people who are actually like born into Buddhism, uh, which I find when I say opposite, I'm not. I think like fundamentally, what I know of all religions, I think that yeah. it's like if you just can like put it down to into a nugget they're all connected it's all interconnected uh-huh. it all feels very much the same to me and like um it just gets into these idiosyncrasies that like separates it all and uh-huh. um but the one thing that i find that's different about like eastern versus western is like the place in which one is more intellectual and the others are like more embodied. It's more about like your sensations and uh-huh. letting your body wisdom kind of come alive with the interconnection uh-huh. of the universe. And so like it's uh-huh. just something about that feels very different to me. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I think that you at least in and from my perspective as someone who teaches about that, I think kind of hit the nail on the head as far as the the main differences. I think, as you said, there, there are certainly similarities, at least structurally, and at least um, uh, and how, how they, well, I guess maybe you could also speak about how they affect the structures of families and societies that follow the particular religions. Right. Um, in that sense, there's a lot of, can be a lot of similarities. But I think the, as you described, the kind of, one way to to distinguish, say, um, Judaism, even uh, you know, a, a practicing uh, a, Jew, a, a Jewish individual who practices um, can be uh, oftentimes Judaism is described as orthopraxy. That is, it's defined by how you do something uh, as you're doing it, um, mm. and and, it, and that in itself is based on biblical and rabbinic. Um, uh, laws mm. and and so and and so it, there and and that in itself is justified oftentimes by kind of in order to create a relationship between uh, God and so you can imagine how thinking in particular ways in order to do things in certain ways while in order to get access to God um, though is can be while heady can be also a there's a relationship between doing things that way, say, as there is with, say, uh, a Zen garden. Yeah, I was just thinking it's, like, almost, it's almost paradoxical because, like, it it does, it sounds very heady, right? But, like, it sounds very Mm -hmm. Zen as well, just being very present, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, so, so, I think that's one thing that Jews, uh, at least, I, I don't know, 
some dudes would say is like, look, we we are everything we're doing is embodied, and and, and it's mm. very much what we're doing. So, so to say a criticism even goes back to antiquity, uh, and definitely in medieval times. Um, but is that you know you guys you're so concerned about the laws and and these regulations and and doing everything by the book, so to speak. And and they would say, yeah, but that. You know, our whole experience, our bodily experiences, everything we do in this moment on this earth is significant. And it allows us to, it reminds us about God every time we do something mm. like this, whatever it may do. Where it's, where it's today's ritually or the food we eat or the place we use. Mm. You know, all this is, is a way to remind us of God or a higher being. Yeah. Would be a, would be more intellectual response. Um, and I think... But I think where there might be a distinction, uh, again, I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm just playing around with you, too, like from my experience, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. But say like in a a Zen garden, they might not even give you, might not even necessarily need to provide an answer. Mm. You know, there might not need a, needs to be, we're doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Or by doing this, you then uh, have a relation, creator relationships. In other words, for especially Zen Buddhist um, or someone practicing the Zen, they're just doing it. They're just there doing it. That's it. Right. You know. Right. When they when, when they practice the Zen, it's a, it, you just kind of stare at a wall and and then kind of lose yourself, and that's it. You know, there's not necessarily a goal or an end goal. Right. And so that might be the, a, a difference. But, yeah, I don't know. So these are just all wonderful things to, to contemplate. You can perhaps uh, sense me uh, pulling back a little bit from from uh, kind of delving into trying to figure it all out because <laughs> I'm thinking about it as we're talking. This is what I do. When you start, you know, when you start introducing these ideas about kind of uh, the relationships and differences between religions, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's, that totally is like this or like that. But it might be Ish. different in this way. It's always, it's, and, and so, I don't, like, half of my brain right now is occupied with thinking about this and, like, going to look it up. <laughs> no, it's, like, so it's fun. always, I think it's always ish, right? Like, I mean, I always, uh-huh. I like, that's my favorite thing right now. It's just ish. Because, like, it's, uh-huh. like, it's all very subjective, first of all. Yeah. Which, which is, like, how how do you measure that, honestly? Like, and I, I, I can go off on that. Like, everything uh-huh. is subjective, And so the measure, like, how do you actually measure anything we're measuring? I don't know. Like, um, Uh and, and then there's also some type of like pull, right? There's all like some type of like energetic movement. Otherwise there wouldn't be like how many billions of people like practicing and Uh how many millions of people practicing this other religion. Like, I mean, Uh so there's some type of movement towards some something that so there's something there and I yeah and I I don't think that you can figure it all out I think it's more like for me anyway these type of conversations are super stimulating in the sense of it it makes me question the the structures I'm holding um yeah yeah and and kind of from that place, like hopefully uh-huh. have some type of integration of information and then also like uh-huh. some type of opening around something that I hadn't been considering. And I think that that's uh-huh. when you get into religion and worldly views, like uh-huh. you get into this place where it's super, it's super difficult and, and we want to make uh-huh. it simple. I think, I think humans want to make it simple because then you can stick to something and you can hold on to something and, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right, but it's not, so. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, and actually, I think this, this is wonderful because I think it goes back to everything that we were talking about, our own personal upbringing or being raised as Catholics is that we, as we were speaking it in and I was kind of thinking about it as I was even using the words, is it sounds, in some sense, it, it can be taken, our own personal experiences can be taken as uh, derogatory towards, say, Catholics, right? You know, or Catholics in general who actually practice Catholicism, when, in fact, it, I think as you're kind of hinting at it, it's our, it is our own personal experiences with Catholicism. Um, and it's not, and, and I know, and I imagine it's, it's, the same with you is my, my comments about my experiences were not intended to be, um, 
an anti-Catholic. Oh, no way. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but in, in a sense, that, but I think it's insightful to think that it, kind of what you're saying is that Catholics, practicing Catholics today, there's something very appealing to it, and it's something very good to it that allows them to help structure their lives. And, and our kind of um, description is subjective, as you're saying. And we recognize that, and, and it's it, and then really what it comes down to is us trying to figure out our own kind of where our brains are and, and how we got to where we were. Um, and, and and one way to do that is to kind of uh, to to kind of describe our own experiences at being raised Catholics. But of course, as, as we all know, then it starts to break down the more you think about it. Well, you know, well, and I want to just because we were yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, I I apologize. Like I, I do this often. I get excited and I'm like, oh, I want to piggyback I you. Do, yeah. <laughs> That's my especially on the phone too, where where it kind of cuts out just for a split second, and then and you, you think... don't know if the other person, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you think it's but like just, time, just like that, just like that, yeah. But no, um, no, like I, I think that you're like, thank you for naming that. No, I, I think whatever makes somebody happy, right? Like whether that's mm-hmm. being Catholic or being a Jew or like just not, not nothing. I, I don't, I don't care anybody's views. If it, if it, like, I fundamentally find that, that the realm of people I know, which range from all different religions to none, like some, some people I know, like do not practice anything. They're not even spiritual. Like it's just not their thing. The human, the human essence is like I, I think, and I think that there's something about this too. It, I believe it to be beautiful, and I believe it to uh-huh. be like an expression of, like expression of self is divine. What and divine? I don't even know if I want to label that anything, but uh-huh. like something about uh-huh. it's beautiful. And I am a person that is in, like supporting mental health and wellness and. Um, uh-huh like people finding their true self, right? So whatever that yeah. is. And so however that unfolds, I'm in full support of. So like yeah. and yeah. for me the Roman Catholic religion just wasn't supporting the expression of self. But you know, like I have talked to many people who've converted recently to mm-hmm. Catholicism, which I think is really mm-hmm. super interesting. And mm-hmm. they find that there like they find what i haven't there and i think that's great that's great yeah and and also it could be simply from a a generational standpoint um i have a student who's actually an older student he's he's a he's a vet so he's he's in the marines for a bit but um he converted to catholicism recently and but he's had so much more of a world, uh, or so much more of life experience than I did being born into Catholicism. Yeah, that's So his understanding of what individuals, let's say the priest might say, uh, I wouldn't say is more skeptical, but is more nuanced when, when he hears it. Interesting. You know, um, and he's able to kind of interpret it in ways that he finds most beneficial for him. Mm-hmm. But he loves it, and he's doing great, and he's thriving, and he's even thinking about becoming a deacon. Um, I fully support him in, in, in those endeavors, because you can just tell it, it's really helped him, and he feels it, and loves it, and appreciates it. Yeah. Whereas being raised, you know, and not having an option, but thinking that this is just how the world is, and having your brain shaped that way before you can really reason through it, um, you're going to have a different kind of take on on what on what Catholicism is or, or what it can do for you. That's right. Possibly. Or, or not. I mean, who knows? At least with us, it has. Well, and but, some um, people, I know some yeah. people who are still practicing um, from St. Jerome's. I mean, it, like, it, mm-hmm. it works yeah. for them, and that's what they love and do, and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I did want to get into also? Sure. Um, if we have time and we might have to do a whole nother podcast around it as well. But so for me, part of being spiritual has been finding community and, Uh um, there is something, and then there's something about like Christ breaking bread and then your dissertation Uh around feast and communal events. And um, I'm super interested 
about like your process around that and what maybe mm-hmm. what maybe you want to share? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as far as how I got to or how my thinking around uh, or uh, the dissertation topic or yeah, like was there like an actual personal process that happened with you? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, so I, I guess, as I, I think you and, and the listeners can probably understand by now, is that I, I ended up studying, well, I guess, maybe I'll put it this way, is I ended up studying Judaism, not only because of my own kind of personal experiences, um, and kind of my own kind of self-discovery and, and reflections on my own upbringing, um, uh, as well as my own heritage, but also because, um, or I, I should say, over time, I realized that what I was studying is actually just kind of a, a case study, so to speak. Um, a very specific case study with certain conditions. But what I ended up realizing is that I'm studying human beings. And, and I'm studying kind of the processes, processes by which human beings create structures in their, their society. And by society, I mean it could be small family groups to large, larger extended families to, you know, governmental agencies of, of some kind of on the level of the Roman Empire or something. And um, and so I realized over the over my studies that really what I'm fascinated with is human beings and how they structure what they structure the way they structure it. Yeah. And and so and and that's something that can be applied to um, you know, you've always got to be careful of generalizing from one case to another. But at least in, in, in general, uh, I feel like my studies into ancient Jewish history and, and society and the, and the development of Jewish society can be applied at least to some extent to other, thinking about other groups of people. And to get at these different processes by which, you know, uh, Jews uh, developed and structured uh, Ju- uh, Judaism as well as Jewish groups, um, I had to begin to think about well, what are some of the what are some of the central aspects of life that allow for people to come together and structure themselves? Mm. Like what what essential what's essential across all civilizations and all peoples? And as I started looking, and actually I should preface this just briefly, is that I kind of came across all this in a very kind of. Uh, well, this actually will probably have to be for another podcast. But I started looking at kind of analyzing pottery and so, where it came from in Israel and then kind of doing a, a, an analysis of the, the, the materials. And by doing that, you can kind of trace the uh, trade networks. And then, anyways, but it had to do with feats. And I read an article. Okay, wait, hold on, hold on, talk. hold on. Yeah. You have to promise that we're going to, like, tag this right here and do a whole other podcast on that. Yes. Promise. Absolutely. Yes. Because that sounds yes. fascinating as well. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, do I have time to finish with, uh, what I was saying with the, how I got where I got? Yeah. Quick? No, I want to okay, yeah. keep, yeah, keep oh, going. Okay. No, you don't have to be real quick. We, we have, we have uh, like 15 more minutes. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Yeah, so the only, so my point was is I ended stumbling across, which we'll discuss how I stumbled across uh, next time, uh, but stumbling across the feast, um, the sharing, and then I kind of defined it in my little description, uh, is, is the, what is it, an event based, or a communal event of some kind, what a communal event based on the sharing of food and drink, distinguished from everyday meals. Um, and that is something that all societies share in common. And the more you look into what feasts do for societies, um, it is it is perhaps one of the central aspects to what drives um, human uh, societal structures. So, can um, you speak so, more to that? Yeah. So, so for example, if if you think about um, social bonds, right? There, there's virtually nothing more powerful than, especially when you think in, in antiquity, um, the sharing food with individuals when food is relatively uh, scarce or more difficult to come by than it is today, much more difficult to come by than it is today. And so when you go to, say, a religious feast, say for Judaism, you go to the temple when it was still around, and uh, 
you go a few times a year, and it's this huge event where you you take your one your one uh, 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 say lamb that you might have, and you offer it as a well being offering, and then you share it with um, portions of it. Get you give it to the priest. The priest cuts it up, um, burns the the best parts of it to to God Yahweh, and then the priest gets the other good succulent parts and then the priest then hands back to you the rest of it that's been cooked on the altar that was that burnt uh, part of it to God and, and and then the people that get the meat back then share it with both their family as well as extended family as well as strangers um, and that imagine how like in a, in a in a in antiquity where that one lamb could help you survive for a very long time both it's wool or, 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 and it's meat and it's have offspring and, but you sacrifice it, right? You, you, you sacrifice it to God and it, it is truly a sacrifice in the sense of monetary and livelihood. And you consume that meat and by consuming that meat, you're internalizing those relationships that were just created, mm. um, both between God. So you're having a meal, at least conceptually, uh, with God, who's, who in the biblical text is described as, uh, enjoying the savory odor that that goes up in the smoke, right? Mm-hmm. And so God's enjoying it. The priests are enjoying it, and then all the living family members around you uh, are enjoying it together. And you create this incredible bond yeah. um, through the and you literally internalize it because it gets kind of people that study this look into the kind of neurology and all this uh, smells and sounds and tastes. Wow! How how these things get in, literally internalized into the not literally, but how the taste and flavors uh, are the most kind of uh, in the forefront of people's minds that remind them of things. And yeah. so the connection yeah. between flavors and taste um, are very much infused with memories. Wow. Um, whoa, whoa, so whoa. Considered. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, kind of, that's the essential bonding aspect. But then you think about, well, humans are humans. So you think just in this very specific case that I just provided, God gets the best portions, the priests get the next best portions, and then the lay folk get the third best portions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so not only are bonds created, but also hierarchies. Right. right? Hierarchies between God, Whoa. the priests, and the lay folk. So all these things, and then, then you extrapolate out from there, and what I did largely was, and this is a brief example, but from there then I started looking at different types of feasts. So an example would be looking at kind of at a site that is rather large, but we can determine that it is used for, for eating at a Jewish site, um, archaeologically speaking. If you find within that space a bunch of individuals, small individual um, dishes, bowls, for example, then what is going on, and this is based on the anthropological and ethnographic data, but what is likely going on are the, those meals are more individualized. And so while there might be bonds being created simply by people um, sharing food and drink in the same space, they're not literally sharing off the same plate. Whereas you look at another site with a similar size space, but larger dishes, like say platters, flat platters, where those would have to be passed around to individual to individual. Mm. And in that sense, their meals are more communal and they're creating potentially closer bonds in a, in, a, in a space that's using larger platters to literally share off the same plate and eat together. And so layered and layered kind of discussions of these, you kind of get a sense of how feasts in general help construct your society over time. And then, of course, I, I use, I drew on a lot of ancient literature or, you know, ancient sources that talk about this, literally talk about virtually everything we just discussed. Um, uh, and then you always have to be careful, of course, when you're looking at, say, a particular author's description of a feast because it might be biased, uh, or they might be making fun of Greeks, for example, for dining and eating other human beings, which, of course, they never did. They just said they did. Uh, vice versa, Greeks might say Jews ate other human beings, which they never did. But it's kind of a way to kind of make fun of other groups. Right. Um, so you go... But you start picking through this evidence and you start to see, well, there's these kind of common structures and basically that just break down to the fact that these feasts both create bonds as well as social hierarchies um, in different capacities. It's on a spectrum, of course. Of course, um, everything. And so, yeah, and so that's, 
that, so, but once you start looking into that and, and presenting the evidence, and then, then from that, my, my goal at least, and my desire and my interest in all of this is here we have an example of how human beings that we can classify in this particular case as Jewish, but here's an example of human beings, how, how they function and create relationships, uh, as well as hierarchies of different kinds. And that's why I, I just love what I do. Um, and so now when I go out to restaurants, I'm, I'm not much of a, a, a fun person to go to a restaurant with because I, <laughs> I'm constantly like analyzing the different dishes that are being used and, what, and where people are sitting and, and in what order. Oh my gosh, I would love... Than others. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I would love to like just go around and dine with you and like have you talk. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of being serious. Oh my gosh. If I, okay, seriously? Wait, where do you live now? Yeah. So, uh, uh, so we're living in Myrtle Beach now. Um, oh, yeah, because, yeah, in Conway, so in South Carolina. Okay. Um, which is, can also be part of our other podcast. Well, like seriously, I mean, I love my job. I should preface that by any any of my colleagues hearing me say that uh, it was not a slight at uh, Myrtle Beach or Conway or anything. Uh, it's just it's a different experience than what I'm used to. <laughs> well, yeah, you you weren't ra- like it's totally different, right? I mean, yeah, yeah you yeah. were from the desert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, so I have so much. I'm like, what what you just said was so packed full of things, um, and. Seriously, like if you're ever in Arizona, when I'm in Arizona, what I would uh-huh. love to do with you, and I, this is not a joke, like uh-huh. I would love to do like go live on Facebook and go dine with you oh, at a few yeah. di- a few different places and have yeah. you tell me what you're observing from like this analytical lens and like and your theory and like your education because that's fascinating to me. Um, oh my god, that would be so much fun! Yeah, it would be so much fun, and and I'm sure I just put it out there to the universe, so I'm sure it will happen at some point. And, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. And then the definitely. other thing is, I definitely want to do another podcast where I tagged earlier, like just kind of going into your whole entire history of um, you went into ruins, right? I mean, that's what you did. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, just, I mean, so, yeah, the archaeology and yeah, that's where we go. And although it's not so much ruined as it is just uh, well, I guess it, yeah, it is ruined, but it's not as uh, as um, romantic as it as it might sound. <laughs> well, I want to uh, understand yeah. that whole process and hear about your journey that led you to here by doing that. And then yeah. the other thing I want to ask you, like, so with this information of human beings being human beings and like the. The uh-huh. history in which you're able to like go back and see about um, the hierarchy and the communal events and how relationships are formed, um, or or like maybe stabilized or something to uh-huh. that nature. Right. Like, what are your thoughts at about? current situations like and I guess you can't globalize because I think um but from a western stance like where we are uh where we are with all of that because like I feel like communal eating doesn't happen as frequently as it used to right 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 yeah we we, I, I feel in general of course not everywhere but in general we are not in a good place um Especially if you think if you add the additional layer of kind of an appreciation of the of where our, the sources of our food came from, mm, yeah, uh, we're in a very bad place. Uh, I would say just generally, not everywhere, not everyone, but um, and that's something I'm also trying to work on um, at Coastal as well as in my um, area of field. It's kind of expanding more outwards towards agrarian ethics. And how to kind of revive a more kind of uh, uh, conscious and compassionate agrarian ethic mm. um, to where, you know, kind of uh, farm, farm to table type movement. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, so that will be, and, and that's, a, that's a work in progress, but that's kind of my, what I'm, I'm trying to use my position at Coastal to kind of harness some of that for the Coastal community. But there's also extracurricular stuff that I'm trying to work on as well. Yeah, I, I love that. And well, and as you were speaking, I was just like, like you know, you can't help but to have your mind process and reflect. And I, I feel like 
our brains are something so magnificent, like they just move at the speed of light. And while you were talking, I was thinking about, of course, my Roman Catholic upbringing, right? (laughs) About like how, you know, the tradition is to pray over your food and be thankful and how you were saying the sensory of like um, taste is like something that's majorly recalled. Uh, which I kind of want to look into that more from a mm-hmm. psychological perspective um, yeah. and psychology thing because, like, I'm, I'm having this whole – so I, I got my degree in the transpersonal um, realm. So it's kind of like taking in these qualities that uh, are kind of um, sometimes – lumped in metaphysical ways, but like, I think Uh as we evolve and, um, things become more easily proven through science, which is still a trip to me because I think science is still subjective, right? It's like what, right. So, but anyway, um, we have more knowledge. There's there's enough subjectivities of individuals looking at it from different places. And when they all come to the same result, despite their own subjectivity, then that's a good sign. Well, that's that's right. That's, that's, that's a good thing about science, I guess. Yeah, and, and then I think it will just, like, evolve again, right? Like, well, another yeah, layer yeah. of consciousness will arise, and then, like, the subjectivity will evolve, and then the math will mm-hmm. evolve, and science will evolve, and then we just continue this thing, right? So, mm-hmm. like, the collective consciousness or whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting from my Roman Catholic upbringing about the praying and then like this thing that we do over our food, which creates ritual, which creates like this like connection to the people at our table. And then also to like the higher being or God or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and how like some part of my journey has been like a disconnect from that, but also some sweetness uh, in reflection and something I yearn for is to have like some type of connection like that, just not that. And what that actually means with all that you just presented, right? Like what does Uh that, Uh and I just, and then also being in Northern California, there is like a huge cultural movement of farm to table and being much more aware of where your food comes from and, uh, being part of the earth and, and how disconnected I kind of feel, even though I'm like embedded in a culture, uh, a, a subculture of like super getting back to the roots and yeah, how how I'm still feel very disconnected. So, um, uh, but but connected. But I mean, I guess everything's kind of like that. It, there's a continuum. Yeah. But yeah. So you just gave me a lot to sit with in a way. Yay. Yeah. That I'm excited. I'm actually kind of excited for in in a sense of like creating happiness, right? Like so. Yeah. If we come back to this place for like mental wellness, for me, it always comes back to that because it's like yeah. what, where I'm interested in, which is like which is like helping people and people becoming, being able to be happy in their life or, and when I say happy, I don't, I don't necessarily mean it in the way that like most people maybe linguistically, uh, right. label happy, but just like content. Um, yeah. you know, like what, what does that mean to have like this relationship with, with food and people mm-hmm. and taste mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. And, and like have like a ritual around that, like creating your own ritual that can kind of yeah. like deepen something for somebody's like mental health. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the, I, I feel like that is, and again, I imagine like with people doing cross-cultural studies about anxiety and religious traditions in different parts of the world, um, I imagine people have studied this extensively of, oh, well, maybe not extensively, but, but Certainly, in the little work that I did, uh, where it wasn't really included in my actual work, but the the um, kind of a little bit of background research onto kind of or into how uh, taste and smells are so closely uh, tied to memory. Yeah. Um, that uh, to me, I mean, it seems like that is a a fruitful, if you will, sorry, part of the pun. You know when people say, uh, part of the pun or, or no pun intended, it's like, of course they intended the pun. And so, so I just did, I did intend that pun. The fruitful, the fruitful avenues uh, towards uh, looking into kind of the relationship between taste and smell and memory. 
and how that can be used for psychological well-being and, yes. and say practices. Yeah, I mean, I that it just seems like a um, a uh, to think of another pun. Um, <laughs> like it, it seems like leaven that you'd add to bread to allow it to expand <laughs> while you cook. Or I don't know what I was gonna say. Um, no, I don't you know. know. <laughs> that, that was a stretch. That, that was hard. Um, yeah, no, I think that is really exciting. Uh, and, and just our, our, our discussion, I, Nicole, you know, I know you reached out to me to, to kind of talk about this, but, you know, we've been, I don't think, when's the last time we've seen each other? It's been, it's been years. It's been so, literally, literally probably a, a decade, oh, if uh, not longer. No, like longer, right? Like, when did we graduate yeah. high school? I definitely haven't seen you since high school, right? Yeah, ni- yeah 96. So, so since 90, so that's, uh, oh my gosh. 20 years. Oh my God. We so need to see each other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but so, so we, then we became Facebook friends and then you reached out to me, but I'm so glad you did. This has been, this has been wonderful. And this is obviously what I love to talk about. And the fact that we can do this for, you know, uh, uh, so easily and so, uh, um, uh, I think effortlessly and, and for the betterment of, you know, for, for both what you're exploring and what you're doing. I mean, I, this makes me excited for you, for you, you know, because now I feel like there's, in some sense, I have a partner, not that I ever doubted it with throughout the world, but, you know, with you, particularly a partner in well-being, you know, trying to, I'm doing it from, from the more scholastic kind of in the classroom kind of thing, um, and then you're doing it from the psychological standpoint as well this is exciting stuff it's super exciting like I like and I have to let you go in like two seconds because I have to get to a meeting but like I was even thinking like how interesting it would be dependent on like and I don't know what this would look like but like having some like sessions with some clients around like like taste and smells right like having oranges and like and like creating like a new like neuro pathway into like smells and sound I mean taste and Mm -hmm. um smells and like how powerful that could actually be like in this corrective way I don't know I'm I'm like you gave me a lot to think about yay thank you thank you this has been wonderful Nicole and um so yeah uh, just be in touch as far as setting up a new new uh podcast or a new uh an additional podcast that we'll do soon. Okay, great. I will. Um, I will. And enjoy good. your time with your family. And thank you so yeah. much. This is such a pleasure. I'm so honored. Great. Well, I'm honored too. And thank you. So it's been wonderful to get back in touch with you personally, and also to to share this experience with you. Yeah. Thank you. And anybody listening, uh, I will um, have Alan Todd's complete professional and personal profile on with all the social media and also in SoundCloud so you can um, learn a little bit more about him because we didn't get to all of the things. And Alan, would you like to uh, be able to be reached via email? Sure, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I sent it to you, but I can just say it real quick. It's my email at Postal, which is fine to use, is uh, Todd. So it's A-T-O-D-D-1 at coastal.edu. And I will make sure I uh, put that up as well. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and all the support and uh, this being part of this whole entire journey with me. Take care and have a wonderful day. Yay. Yay.